Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. Sorry for the delay. I've been out here on the East Coast with family, so I've been crazy busy. So I'm finally getting this out now. Um, I had a great interview recently with Paige Weldon. We talk about uh, starting out at UCLA for comedy, doing a first comedy album, getting late night sets a day in the life, uh, the balancing act of doing so many different comedy things, uh, performing at colleges, and progressing into feeling like you're actually a comedian. Thanks, guys. You're going to love it. Enjoy. Okay, we're going to start over. Hey, guys, welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. I'm here with Paige Weldon. Paige is a writer, actor, and comedian based in L.A. Uh, You may know her from her stand-up appearances on The Late Late Show with James Corden, Comedy Central stand-up featuring, or her album, Girlfriend at the Time. And she has a really cool podcast uh, called Mall Talk uh, that you can check out every Wednesday, right? Yeah, it's every Wednesday. And um, yeah, she's really impressive. She was uh, one of uh, Time Out LA's top 10 comedians to watch and uh, New York uh, Comedy Festival comic to watch. Whoa. Whoa. You did a lot of cool <laughs> stuff. Yeah, it's all listed there. All listed. And you were also, what I thought was really interesting, because how I found out about you <clears throat> was you were doing comedy at UCLA. Oh, sure. Yeah, which was really cool. Yeah, I, I went to UCLA. Yes. Yeah. I remember because like, when I first um, like, went to UCLA, I wanted to do comedy things. And uh, I just heard your name a lot. Whoa, okay. And I think you just graduated. Probably. When I joined. What year did I? 2013, I graduated. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's when I started. Yeah. Fall 2013. Wow, two ships. Wow. Passing in the um, Kirkhoff Coffee Shop. Passing in the Kirkhoff Coffee Shop. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so th- that's really cool. I mean, we, we're obviously going to dive into your other cool accomplishments, but how did um how was doing comedy there like what was that like because it's like the other generation i don't really know yeah i feel like you know i know a lot of the people who went to ucla would do stand up at like the um the improv space and everything Mm -hmm. i never really did that because i didn't ever live like on campus or in westwood uh but i had a friend robin higgins who's also a comic and she was at ucla same time as me so we ran a show together at the Kirkhoff Coffee Shop on campus um, for a little while. So that was my main experience with doing stand-up at UCLA, which was fun because we had obviously some really fun shows at that coffee shop, but we also had some shows where people are studying for midterms and they hate us. And there's surprise <laughs> comedy. Yeah, and it's like at, at some point we were doing it, I believe, every Tuesday. So at some point you go, this isn't a surprise. We've advertised. I'm sorry you didn't see the advertising. Yeah. There's many other locations, but, you know, people, you know, deem that their space. And fair enough, it is a coffee shop, but it does have a stage in it. Uh, so we definitely had some some weird ones, which which made it interesting. My favorite was one time uh, comedian Katie Crown was doing a set, and um, she did this sort of bit with her boyfriend, who's also a comic, Davey Johnson, who they, like, pretended to be having like an argument where he's he while she was on stage started saying like um hot chocolate no whip or something like that like really loud yeah. and she pretended to be like can you can you keep it down and they started to have like an argument and then it all culminates in them like making out like hard on stage and it was so funny cuz right before they did that <laughs> the guy who was running sound for us from the like AV club or whatever <laughs> was like about to like be like sir can you stop like he was about to defend katie oh <laughs> so, my god so that was my main thing with doing comedy at ucla is just like being like really in that coffee shop and interacting with people who are trying to study <laughs> that's so funny yeah so is that the like the main avenue for comedy that you uh had there yeah, at UCLA, because I primarily was, like, I lived in West Hollywood during college, and Whoa. I just would do uh, comedy on, like, the east side, primarily. And I guess sometimes I would go to Bruco, but I don't know if Bruco was gone by the time you showed up. I think it was. Yeah, Bruco was, like, I a bar stopped. in Westwood that had a mic for many years, but it, it became, I think, a lobster restaurant? Oh, is it the crab? Yeah, the something boiling was crab. crab. Boiling crab. It became boiling crab. Oh wow. Yeah, it used to be a, a bar with a with a long running open mic. So when did you start uh, doing stand up? I started doing stand up when I moved to Los Angeles to go to UCLA. So that would have been in twenty 
2011. Yeah, so like the summer before school started, I I had previously. I'm from Southern California, so I'm I'm from a town that's like an hour and a half out of LA. So I would come into LA and go to shows. But once I moved here, I started doing. So it. did you do three years, or were you a transfer? Transfer. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Transfer student. Nice. So did you um, did you feel like it was hard to like live in West Hollywood during UCLA? Like that's super. Fun. Like you think of at least for UCLA, like yeah. beyond Wilshire, if anyone knows that reference. Is far. <laughs> I just took the, the the number two bus down Sunset every day. Oh, nice. It was it was you know I'm sure that it would have been easier for school if I lived in Westwood, but it would have been harder I think to do as much comedy as I ended up doing. That's cool. What was yeah. your comedy schedule like during school? Well, so when I first transferred and I was like a junior in college, I I had a lot more free time. So the first year I was out in LA doing comedy, I did like a ton of stuff like every night. Uh, and then senior year, I was just trying to finish school, so I did it a lot less. And then once I graduated, it was like, this is my my full thing now. Whoa. Yeah. What was your major? Psychology. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you felt like that gave you a good amount of time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I basically, I mean, my thing is I, I wanted to go to art school, you know, or whatever. But, you know, my uh, financial situation didn't... Uh, and I also just like, like, I guess I could have gone to UCLA for art, but it's just like, I ended up picking something easy. Psych, if you, the psych requirements before you transfer from a community college are like relatively easy. And I was just like, how do I finish community college in two years? So I don't become one of those people that's like in community college for 10 years or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I just decided on that. And I, I did find it interesting and I, and I still like, the only thing I think I really carried out of uh, my psych major into my comedy is occasionally if it comes up, like when I'm doing, when I'm performing at a college, I'll bring up that I took a class at UCLA called Intimate Relationships uh, for Psych and I got a C minus <laughs> and so it funny. was truly devastating. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you do um, your most of your material, you wouldn't say is like you incorporate your like psych interest or knowledge? Um, I guess inherently, yeah, because I, I, I'm talking about feelings and, and, and you know, yeah, human nature or whatever. But I don't think I think of it as directly as much as it's maybe just like a third factor of like my like interest. You're already interested in that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Nice. So you've done a lot of cool things. You made um your comedy album, Girlfriend, at the time. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, that came about because um. When I started doing comedy, I was I would go to the Meltdown. Um, I would go to the Meltdown show all the time and do their open mic. And I became buddies with Jonah Ray. And Jonah started a record label with a special thing, Records, like a few years ago. And initially, he was doing like a seven-inch records. The idea was like uh, you'd do like a 14-minute set. It's just like a cool record. So I did one of those. Um back in who knows what year and then Jonah later on was like if you ever want to do a full length like let's do it and at some point I was like yeah why not like a few years down the line I was like that if someone's offering to to help me do this wow yeah it's really fun now I have CDs I sell them at shows and stuff and that's it's so fun cool. to have did you um does that do well for you like is that a good I don't know, like product free. Did that it does okay. You? I mean, it's more that it's like fun to have something at like a show, like merch, you know. Yeah. Um, and I and I like that I have it. It's like something you can send people to. Like, here's me. Um, it's not like a huge cash cow for me or anything. Yeah. But but that's like a cool thing to give people if they like your set. Yeah. Yeah. That option. Uh-huh. What's the uh, what's the etiquette like for? selling merch or giving away merch at shows in LA. Do people do that? I don't do it in LA. It's just out of town, right? Yeah. I I mean, I guess if it was like No, I've never done it in LA. <laughs> yeah. Uh and often at shows even when you're out of town, like if people even if people really liked you, they're not super into merch, but like I've had experiences like I I did some shows in Chicago, uh couple weeks ago with maria bamford and her audience is like awesome like comedy fans and so they were like super into it you know so it just depends on on where you're at you know interesting a lot of the time you're just kind of standing there with your wares like 
Thanks for coming. <laughs> That's cool. Do you feel like uh, I remember I was talking to some comic. I think it was like a headliner or feature or something in Seattle. And they were saying that you have to there's a certain etiquette of giving out merch at shows that has like a headliner also giving out like you shouldn't do it or something. If the, Is that a thing? Do people talk about that? I is have that no a, idea. Okay, I don't know if like anyone else. I've never talks run about into that because I was like, "What do you t- do you mean?" Anytime I've ever been featuring for someone and I brought my CDs, they've been like, "Yeah, totally, go for yeah, it." Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't. That's kind of what I thought. I figured that was fine. Yeah. But like, I mean, I'm, I'm like sure also Seattle people are kind of like. I have no idea. Yeah. I also but. like. I've even had times where I like bring stuff and I don't even say that I brought stuff. I just like feel it out and if yeah. it seems like there isn't going to be a natural opportunity to sell stuff i just don't do it you yeah. know like with maria it made sense because people were like lined up to meet her afterwards and buy her comic book that she wrote with her husband and so it was just like kind of a natural like people are already walking yeah, by it just makes sense. but if it's like a thing where it's like the headliner's not even like meeting people afterwards it's like you just don't i just don't do it yeah, yeah. if it would just be like you're like staying behind and like yeah you have to do like, like a social a, navigation thing yeah you have to do like a quick cost benefit analysis <laughs> yeah. of like i'm probably at best gonna sell like a couple cds in this scenario is it worth it to like stand out there you know yeah but that's yeah. interesting mm-hmm. cool so what was that process like for actually developing your album and curating uh like the content that you wanted to put on it uh well i guess that was how long ago was that now? So I just basically, you know, I told Jonah, I was like, I think I'd like to do it. And then we we uh, figured out a venue. And basically the way I did it is I set a date um, at a venue. I liked it at this place, Genghis Cohen. I don't know if you've ever been there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, yeah. it's like a Chinese restaurant that has a, a showroom in it. Mm-hmm. It's just like a really cool room. They already have like a, a good sound setup because they do a lot of music. And uh, there's a handful of of comedy shows that happen there and so I did it there I set the date for it and then I just went about like contacting anyone who I could hit up for like a favor like I went and I did I like ran a lot of my set um at this show that uh used to happen in Santa Barbara called uh, at a place called Cruzberg Coffee uh I went and ran it up in Clovis which is near Fresno um at this uh this show that I go do there just like anywhere I could get a longer spot um Evan Cassie let me do a spot at Anchor Bar down in OC just anything I could do you know and I I, I you know I made little cards and arranged everything uh, <laughs> yeah That's it was so definitely fun. like kind of a stressful thing because I was like I'd been doing comedy long enough that I was like I know I have this material and then even like struggling with the idea of like, should I not be doing this? You know, like, should I wait till I'm like 10 years in? Like, why am I recording this? It's not going to be as good as it could be if I waited. But then at some point you go like, how long am I going to just keep waiting to do things? Yeah. You know, and it's like, I don't think I've ever done anything or recorded anything where, you know, at, a few months later I wasn't like, oh, I have a new tag for that. And oh, I wish I had done this. So yeah. it's like at some point you just have to do it. Because it's always going to change. It's always right. going to get better. Which is kind of the cool nature of it. It would be boring if you just like did a few years of stand-up and then you were like, all right, I'm as good as I'll ever be for the rest of my yeah, life. Know. You know. How many years back was that that you recorded it? It's so weird. I never remember anything I've ever done. Um, <laughs> that was, I think I probably recorded it like two summers ago. And then it came out um, like a few months after that. Like er, maybe early 2018 or t- I really I'm okay. so bad with time. Yeah, no worries. So and people can just find it online, right? And like yeah, and stuff. yeah, it's all over. Cool. Yeah, that's and really if exciting. You, if you buy a CD, I did all the artwork on the CD as well. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. You do art. I do art. Doing art. Well, I guess that's a very very <laughs> thing to say. You like draw. I draw. draw. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, that's I used to draw cartoons and stuff. That's what I wanted to like go to art school for, you know. And I, but I always do like funny cartoons. Yeah. That's what, do you still do that? I used to do it more. Um, Robin, who I mentioned earlier, who I used to run the show with at UCLA, she and I used to run a website uh, called The Higgs Well Done where we published like comedy articles and cartoons. So I would publish cartoons on there. But <laughs> listen, we got hacked and we haven't been able to figure out how to get the website back up. So I've just kind of 
stopped doing things for it. Really? Yeah. What? You just can't get back into it? I know. It's Is like, that what happened? Yeah, like last year um, at some point, because Robin built the website herself and sort of taught herself the whole thing all via WordPress like many years ago back when we were still like in, at UCLA. And then last year someone like got in and messed it all up. And we haven't been able to fix it. So if anyone listening has uh, WordPress skills, shoot Whoa. me an email. <laughs> hey, I can help out. I yeah. do coding stuff. Okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah let's Let do it. Because it's like, it. It's, it was such a fun outlet to have like people do like, people who we like as stand-ups or improvisers or whatever would write something for us. And it was really fun. Um, and there's also so much stuff, like many years of articles that we just like can't, can't have access to. And it's it just stopped this past year? uh last year yeah really mm-hmm. and the, your passwords just don't work anymore to get into the site is that it i don't know okay. uh you can like log into wordpress but the website itself is all i can probably get all the stuff back for you okay so let me know wow great yeah, yeah. let's let's <clears throat> let's put an email chain together with uh, yeah, me, yeah, us yeah. and robin seriously i'm down okay awesome cool um well <laughs> problem solved yeah well we will get that back up yeah um what was that did i want to ask um so that's really cool the comedy album um yeah i'm super inspired by that did you like how did you thematically like piece together what bits you wanted to do um that was that was an aspect of it that was interesting too because i i don't get to do full headlining sets that often and often when i do i do Currently, I do them at colleges, so they're, like, a little bit, you know, there's stuff I'm leaving out because uh, those have to be relatively clean. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting having not had that many opportunities to do the long set but knowing I had the material. And I also tend to write, like, shorter bits probably as a result of, like, not getting the lengthy stage time. So it, it I ended up just being, like, okay, thematically, like, this first chunk is a lot of jokes of like that I would do as like openers that are like about my appearance or how I seem or whatever. Here's a little introduction of me. Um, and then I did, you know, a chunk of stuff. I, I can't even remember. <laughs> you know, you do your chunk of stuff that's like roughly all about like dating or the chunk of stuff that's like roughly about your family. You uh-huh. know, um, at the time I had a, I had a, a little bit of a chunk about I had just gone to Israel and I. <laughs> Um, had a lot of things to say about that. So uh, I did like a chunk about that and like about being like, like I'm Jewish, but I wasn't raised Jewish. I went to Israel, had a terrible time. Uh, birthright? Birthright, yeah. I don't know why I went. I just, it just felt like why waste the opportunity? But I also know that I'm like, Israel, sure. I'm like, I knew that it was like a lot of brainwashy stuff yeah, and I knew I would go in and like just disagree with everything that was being said. And so I ended up just like getting in arguments <laughs> with really? soldiers with like the, all week. <laughs> with the idea. Yes. Yeah. Some, some, uh, real feisty idea. It's crazy. Guys. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, I went and I met people and like some of them literally are like, yeah, I'm a drone operator. I can't really go into more detail. Yeah. He's like, all right. Whoa, whoa, you kill people. Have fun. um, And you're 20 or 19 or whatever. Yeah. It was. uh, Yeah, so I, I, you know, I tried to make that funny. Um, Just, uh, you know, things about general, like, social anxieties, you know. That's cool. Yeah. So was was it all your material or did you, um, like, all your best material? Or were you like, I want it to be this kind of hour, so I'm going to include this kind of material? Um, I think it was, it felt, it felt like it was all my material, you know, because at any given time you also like, you have so much that you just don't like anymore or something. So it was the best amalgamation of like things that I liked at that time. Uh And also like I had previously recorded that, um, that seven inch record that was like a 14 minute set. So I was like trying to not include too much of that, which ultimately ends up being like pretty easy to do because a lot of it is you know older or doesn't feel true anymore um so yeah at the time it definitely felt like i was like oh no all of my material oh but you have then to start over afterwards yeah and it d- it was like a strange feeling afterwards where i was like 
by no means is there a situation where it's like every audience I'm encountering has like heard my album or something, but you feel like this weird pressure to be like, well, I should do stuff that's not on that. It feels like I'm like done with that now. And so it was like a good motivator to try and write new stuff. But at the same time, it's like I've done like when I did my set on Corden, that's a lot of that is on the album, but it it's like an older version of it on the album. So yeah. it's kind of, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, it's like, it's kind of cool. It's like, even though that material is on that album, I got it to a better place by the time I did it somewhere else. Or like the set I did for Comedy Central is a lot of stuff that's on there too. But it's like, uh, you know, twisted so that it feels a little more true to me now, or it's like refined a little bit more. Yeah, that's so interesting. It is cool to be able to, like, I guess it sounds like you were, like, six years in at the time or something like that. Yeah-ish. And, like, just getting your material and putting it all in one place and being like, okay, I can just move on and do new material. Yeah. That's, like, a cool thing. Yeah, it was it was super cool. I'm, I'm glad I did it. Because there is this, like, vague feeling of just – because, like, once you accumulate so much time and then – you're just like doing mics and shows in LA. It's so easy to like, you're like, you feel, I don't know, for me at least, I feel some of like the older bits that I like. It's like, I don't want them to like fade away, but like I want to put them somewhere. Right. And, and like work on new stuff. And you think of like, you're like, well, someday someone will ask me to do a special and I'll want all that material for that. But it's like, you just, you can't wait around for someone to like give you an opportunity. Um, it would be great if they did. But <laughs> at some yeah. point it's like, especially I think, I think more and more it's more common to just like do it for yourself. It's very punk rock, punk rock DIY. Kind yeah, of vibe. that's so cool. Yeah. Wow, I'm inspired. <laughs> I kind of want to do something like that now. That's really cool. Yeah, it's fun. So you do headlining for a lot of colleges. Yeah, in the last like year or two, I've started to do colleges. Is it NACA through that? I did a few NACAs when I first started with my college agent and. Uh, you get, I think it used to be that you could like book a million things at a NACA, but I think that my, I know that they like put in more and more comics now, so it's a little bit more competitive, but um, yeah, you go, you stand at the booth, you give out your buttons. You, Do you uh, get to perform in the showcase? Yeah, you, you, you apply for NACA, and then you, if you're uh, accepted, you, uh, depending on what showcase you applied for, like you can apply for like sampler, which is like cheaper, but you only get five minutes and it tends to be like at the end of the, uh, the end of the weekend of that yeah. NACA. So like people might not be there, might not see you, uh, or you can do like um, one of the more expensive ones where you get 10 minutes. It's a, whole, it's a whole thing. <laughs> so do you literally pay like that exorbitant $800 fee or whatever and then you maybe don't get accepted? I've not done the one where it's $800. I think it, I think NACA Nationals is the one where it gets into that price point. And for NACA Nationals, I did Sampler because I was like, I'm not going to spend that much. And you're competing against like America's Got Talent people. And yeah. Crazy. I was just talking to Eric Escobar about mm. that. He was telling me. It's yeah, and it's but it's like it's it's a real experience. Like I'm glad I've done them because you get wacky things that happen. Like when I did NACA Nationals, it was like what you do is you you perform, and then around your performance, you go to um, camps, which are like uh, basically like a um, an exhibit hall that people walk through, and you you can give them out, give them free things, and talk to the students, and you know try and hope that they'll book you, and. Uh, or, like, if you haven't done your, your set yet, like, tell them, like, make sure you come and see me. Yeah. And the la when I was at NACA Nationals, I was waiting to do my last camp of the day. It was at, like, 10 p.m. or something. And it was starting late. And they were like, what's going on? And then uh, one of the students told me that what happened is that the, the last showcase that was happening, there was a magician who, um, as part of his act, he, like, released this bird and what happened was he was going over his time and i guess when you go over your time they cut the lights out so right as he released this bird they cut the lights out the bird freaked out and like wouldn't come down from the rafters <laughs> so they had to like stop the whole showcase wait till the bird came down and then let the rest of the people do their sets <laughs> and i wasn't in the room but this is apparently what happened so i'm like NACA is a whole experience in itself because you get to see weird things. That's like so that. strange. <laughs> yeah, because it's not just comedy; it's it's magic. It's 
you know, slam poetry. It's like any and everything. Yeah, it's literally every art. Yeah. Wow. And then I, I was told that like you really like if you're going to audition for NACA, you have to feel that you're like ready because it's a like a, a big a commitment and like you're yeah, especially you're doing the headlining set. So you want to if you're promising an hour or whatever, you have to deliver on it. Right. Do you did you feel that pressure? Um, or were you like, I'm ready? I was definitely nervous the first like, I can't remember if I had done NACA already when I did. But, like, when I did my first college, you know, you hear, like, okay, you know, sometimes you go to a college and it's, like, a Christian college or something. Or, you know, and you, so you have to be clean because also it's, like, but but every school I learned over time has different rules. But the first time I was, like, I've heard you have to be, like, squeaky clean. You know, you don't want to, like, uh, upset the, like, organization that like booked you and then a parent you know whatever because they're kids you know and and so I was super nervous and I remember talking to someone about it and being like can I do this bit do you think this will be fine and it's like yeah you're fine and you get there and you're like oh okay yeah this is completely fine like so that I was more nervous the first time I had to do it because I just didn't want to like accidentally say the f word or you know yeah it's like it's like well you're fired from ever doing a college again because you said fuck at the college and it's like a lot of the time you even get to a college and they're like it's fine we're adults like don't worry about it but then other times it's different yeah um but then with naca i don't know i want to be hopeful and i'd love to to do it again if i could get in but ultimately kind of feels like a money suck you know yeah unless you book like a ton out of it, it i don't know if it's yeah because it's it. so much like a couple hundred bucks so you have to book at least two like you, one it's a couple hundred bucks you don't make to apply back. and then if you're accepted it's another fee and then Wait, you really? have to do you, all of your you pay all that stuff. just to apply you pay to apply that yeah. multi-hundred dollar fee yeah it's different for every single different because there's different NACAs for different regions and so it sort of corresponds with like how many colleges attend the conference so if it's a smaller one the fees are less because you have like less um like visibility yeah so (laughs) so you didn't book most of your headlining gigs through NACA then it's weird because it's like i and i just you know get the email that's like hey uh we booked you for this date and then you don't really know if it's like because your agent pitched you to them or if it's because they saw you at NACA. And then a lot of time you get there and you talk to them and they're like, yeah, we saw you at this or whatever. But often it's also like a year later and you're like, oh, I forgot that that happened. I don't even. Oh, wow. (laughs) Like, uh, you know, you just because you go and you know roughly like, okay, this is for this region, right? But then, you know, you don't know the different colleges. So it's not like you get contacted and then you go, oh, right, this was from the – it just it, – it the timeline of, like, when it happens, you just kind of forget. Yeah. Yeah. So do your agents then help you get a lot of the gigs that you're getting, like the headlining? And For colleges. Yeah. yeah. I just have a, I have a college oh, agent the college that books agent. all my colleges. So do they just, like – how does that work? They reach out to colleges or mm-hmm. – Yeah. I mean, she, my, she has, like, a roster of comics that she Interesting. Books. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so did you, okay, let me go back to, um, I want to understand like, what was your timeline for, um, your, like your comedy career? Like when, what were like the milestones in your career? Would you say? Um, well, so I started by what I would do at first is I would just go to the open mic at Meltdown. Uh, every week it was every Sunday in 2011 in 2011 when I uh, yeah during the summer of 2011 I would go to the meltdown open mic every week every Sunday and I would just try to write something new for that every week and then you learn through talking to other people and go oh there's these other open mics oh you should try these and then I think the biggest like the first big milestone was I got asked to do the meltdown Wednesday show with Jonah and Kumail uh, like about a year in, which felt crazy because that's like at the time that was like a huge show. Yeah. And there were people who had been doing it for many years who couldn't get on it or whatever. And so I was like, oh, shit, like I got to deliver on this. 
and it was an awesome experience. I did well. I had fun. And then, you know, I, at that point, you feel like, okay, I'm not crazy. Obviously, someone thinks I'm funny. Like, I feel motivated to keep doing this. And then I feel like for a few years, you just, like, you don't even think about it because you're just, like, I just want to get better. I just want to be somewhat regularly doing shows. Um, and then at some point, you hit uh, I feel like this doesn't seem like a milestone, but you hit a point where like, I remember early on, I was like, well, I don't want to ask to do shows. Like if people think I'm funny, like they'll ask me. And then at some point you hit a point where you're like, no, I'm funny. And I need the stage time. I'm going to start asking. And yeah. I remember, I, I can't remember at what point I decided to start doing that. Um, but then, you know, I would, Suddenly I was like in the rotation of shows like Put Your Hands Together or Hot Tub, which were like the bigger shows. And then I, I was able to quit my day job because I got to work um, as a writer's PA on corporate. Uh, my friends Jake Wiseman, Matt Ingrads, and Pat Bishop gave me that job. And so that was a big deal. Um, and And then at that point things just start to feel like they're ramping up. And then, you know, there's so many highs and lows too, yeah. where you like, you think like, okay, well I don't have to have a day job anymore. So I have all this time to write. And then you're like, oh, but I've never done this before where I just don't have a day job and now I'm depressed. Right. And so you learn to do that. Um, and then what was the, I mean, it's so interesting. It, it, you look trying to like actually look back and like what have I done <laughs> um but do, getting to start to do the colleges felt like a big deal um recording the album was a big deal how did that happen like um going like at what point did you I guess it seems like since your agents help out a lot um getting agents is a big milestone oh that well that you. was a thing too so um let's see so at some point I was I was often writing um, articles for Reductress. I don't know if you're familiar. It's like a yeah, yeah like a humor uh, magazine online, and they had me do a big showcase uh, at the Comedy Store. I hosted this showcase, and then at that, I like first met who's my like uh, my lit agent now, who's like for like film and TV, and then you know, but at at that point, you know, I hadn't really written anything and you, and then you start to realize like, Oh, like I need to be doing more beyond stand up. Like I need to, to write and everything like that. Um, and also it's like, it, it's so weird too. Cause in your mind you go, well, if I get representation, then I'm, I'm good. I'm going to get a ton of jobs, but it's like, no, you have to do things. Like yeah. you have to have something for them to work with, you know? So it's like, I feel like that sort of lit a fire under me of like, oh, I should write a pilot. Oh, I should start making videos, um, you know, all these other things. And uh, and then like more in the last year or so is when like they've started to get me things like I, I got this set on The Late Late Show, which is like that to me. It's like even though I had done so much that late night set, it's like so many of the things I ended up doing in comedy weren't necessarily something I like understood as something you could do when I first started, but I always knew you could do a late night set. Yeah. And that's something I, that doing that was like a huge deal. That was the first, like there are obviously many milestones. I've done a lot of really cool stuff, but that was one where I was like, okay, I'm a real comedian. Yeah, I exist. Huge. I have a TV credit now at shows when people are like, do you want me to say any credits when I introduce you? I can say the late, late show. Yeah, I have so like cool. a thing I can say. And that's very similar with like getting to do this at for Comedy Central's like digital show, the Comedy Central featuring. Um, yeah. Those are huge. <laughs> Just listing wow. all my things. <laughs> no, that's really cool. Um, how did the, uh, the late, late show happen? Well, I, at some point, you know, at some point last year, I was like, I'm going to get a set together that I would want to do on late night so that I have a tape and that I have it in mind. And I'm like, just put like truly just putting that energy into the universe of like, this is what I would like to accomplish in the next year or so. I would really love to do this. So I had that set in mind. Um, I ended up, I did a show where I like taped it and then I ended up doing this show 
where um, it was for Laffy Taffy was having this like competition, Laffy Taffy the candy, and they asked some like, uh, you know, there were people who entered the contest who weren't necessarily like, I don't want to say a real comic, but they were like newer or whatever. They were just doing like a minute. So they had a few other people like myself, like I know JC Carias was there, a handful of other comics do sets like in between. And that crowd was like killer. So I taped, they luckily taped that night. So I got a five minute tape from that. From Laffy Taffy. From Laffy Taffy at the Laugh Factory, which at the time I was like, oh, this will just be like a silly thing I do. But that was such a good tape and it was the set that I wanted because it had to be clean also. Uh, And it ended up that I was like, you know, I wanted that sent around, but also like, you know, it just ended up that it got into the right hands. They liked that set at Corden and basically I did that same set minus a couple things for length. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it just, it all happened super fast too. I like found out on a t- on like a Tuesday and did it on a Thursday. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was crazy. They're like, "Can you come in in two days and do the set?" Yeah, I got a call on Monday that was like, uh, tentatively, like, could you do a set on Thursday? They basically want the set from the the Laugh Factory tape um, because I think it was like they were already interested in me, but then someone canceled for Thursday, and it just ended up happening super fast. I was wow. also like sick. <laughs> just like a crazy week jeez yeah but it was that's intense that's the okay. best experience did you instantly recover from your sickness well i was like, like i need to be well now yeah i mean like well. i remember that morning i was supposed to have like a meeting or something and i woke up and i just still felt like kind of crappy and i was supposed to be at the you know I, I, like my call time was like 4 p.m so i was like okay i think i need to just stay down all day until I actually have to leave. And so I did. And I, and I was worried because I was like, I wasn't like super ill, but I was for sure had like runny nose, was yeah. like not feeling great. I was like pounding cough drops, you know, just doing whatever I can. I bought a nasal spray, which are bad for you. You shouldn't use them because they will give you a sinus infection. But I was like, if I need to shoot up some nasal spray so that I'm not like dripping boogers on TV, I'll do that. But it's also like, you know this like when you do a set you just the adrenaline takes over and you're like fine for five minutes that's awesome um and it was also it was just like it was perfect it was just like i got up there i got my first big laugh and i was like i'm in i can do this that's so great and then i uh, went home and i fell asleep (laughs) that's so nice that sounds like a great day it was a wonderful day that's so cool so yeah yeah, you're doing a lot of cool things um You also have uh, your podcast. I do. And how's that? That's a cool concept. You interview people. Are you actually in the mall? No, no. So okay. <laughs> so it's uh, myself and my friend, another comedian, Emily Fay, host a podcast called Mall Talk. Uh, the idea being we interview a guest each episode. It's not really an interview. It's more casual, but we just like talk about like, okay, uh, what was your mall growing up? And like, what are stories off of that? Like, what what are you like? What Where are you from? Um, and we also talk, like, Emily and I just love going to the Americana Galleria in Glendale. I love malls. Yeah. This is great. I'm really, I'm a big mall guy. Yeah. I, I'm finding that more and more people are, like, from doing this podcast. It's truly and, like, the most basic that- desire, but I don't know why. I'm just conditioned to be a consumer, but I just like to see them all and get excited. <laughs> even if it's like, even if you go there and you're not like buying anything, it's just like a, a fun place to hang out. And I feel like a lot of people, even if they didn't spend a lot of time hanging out at the mall as a teenager or whatever, you just end up there. And so there's stories within that. Um, and then we will like focus on one store every episode. Oh uh, so, yeah, like, I saw like C's candies. Yeah, Spencer's. we did C's with Felicia Folks. If you know her, she's hilarious. Um, and uh, we, there's just like a million like Wet Seal, Pack Sun, all these places that are like nostalgic. But then we also, you know, we'll talk about like sometimes people will talk about a store that they love now. You know that they still yeah. go to now. Um, or like we did a Mrs. Fields episode with Bridger Weiniger, who's, uh, he wrote on corporate, he's hilarious. And his, you know, take on Mrs. Fields is he hates the cookie cake, you know, and he, he just has this take that, and, and then we end up having a intense conversation about cookie cake, you know? That's awesome. Um, what's your favorite store? My favorite store. 
it's hard because it's like it's not there are stores that I will actually buy things at, but there are stores that I just like being at. And I, I want to say probably anthropology uh, just because it completely embodies that thing of like, I just like being at the mall. It's like comforting. It's relaxing. I walk into <laughs> anthropology. I smell a candle. I pick up, a you know, a plate that I'll never buy. And I just, you know, browse. Yeah, <laughs> this is perfect. And I would love like I I say this, but it's like, I would love to someday be the type of like rich woman who just like lounges in her anthropology jumpsuit that has like a weird beaded bug on it or whatever, you know? That sounds amazing. Sounds incredible. Your true self. <laughs> yeah, that's that's you who. You can I live your best life in the mall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And no one will judge you. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> nice. Um, well, so you do that every Wednesday. You also do. I saw some sketches on your. Uh, yeah, website. I do. do you still do that? Yeah, myself and my, my friend Finn Straley, who's a hilarious comic, we uh, we have written and shot a few sketches. Uh, some of them we've done with Brandon Clark, who's a, a talent, really talented director, or Spencer Vickers. Um, but we will just shoot them for fun and for free with friends. And uh, that's, a, that's a whole thing, too, though, because it's like you write it, you shoot it, then someone has to edit it. And so it's like a whole process. So we've we've written a bunch and even shot some that aren't even out yet. So it's like a cool, like ongoing thing to have going on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Finn and I are always writing together because we just have like similar senses of humor, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to do a ton of sketches and I haven't been recently. I really want to get back into it. Because they're a lot of work. It's so and much it's work. It's like one joke. <laughs> yeah. If you want to do the littlest joke, like um, my girlfriend came up with a funny sketch idea yeah. that it was like. Um, a dude's in like the carpool lane, and he has like, uh, like the, like a cardboard cutout in the passenger, and then he gets pulled over, and for and uh, he gets a ticket for the cardboard cutout not wearing a seatbelt. Sure. So just, <laughs> just, like, really but short. you think about that, which <laughs> in your so mind involved. is like a simple idea, like, right? Impossible. But I'm like, how are you gonna shoot something in a car? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, you a, and up- show a highway and yeah. show a cop. You have to like rent an outfit. Now for you're a now cop. you're renting costumes. And if you shoot yeah. on the street, you're gonna get like pulled over and like, it's just like so much work. Yeah. And then you do it, you film it, you edit it, you write it, and then ten people see it. Yeah. Maybe. But it's also I've found with things that I I make or I put out there that I feel like no one saw and wow what a failure. People saw it. You know, people know what you're doing. Everyone's on their phone. Everyone's looking at whatever you're doing, you know. And so they might, like, not have fully watched it or whatever, but it is good to just, like, be a person who's doing things. The people in your social circle will recognize it. Yeah. Even if it's not viral. Yeah, or, you know, like, one person who knows a person who knows a person will see it, and then you meet them down the line, they're like, oh, yeah, I saw your thing, whatever. That was cool. And you're like, oh, my God, I thought... No one. Yeah. Cool. And that's it is, true. It's also stuff just like about, that happens. Yeah, it's about building a body of work so that like when someone's like, "What do you do? What's your deal?" You can be like, "Here's five links that are my deal." <laughs> true. It's yeah. like you have to look at a different metric other than views. Otherwise, it's yeah. really not worth it. Because I was oh, getting yeah. to, um, we had some decent amount of views on our YouTube channel. We had a channel called Chabros, me and my friends, mm-hmm. where we did sketches and like the second video blew up and got like 300,000 views on YouTube. And then like we would get like 30,000, some got 100,000 and then none. Like yeah. after a year, it's like none. And then we're just like, because we were looking at views, it was just getting so demoralizing. Yeah, it's so much more rewarding to be like, to look at it in terms of like, do I feel good about this? Yeah. Is this something that like, if I showed it to someone I would feel good about? That's, That's a better way to look at yeah. it. And I think it, it tarnished my mind getting views that early like on the second yeah, video yeah that can mess you up yeah so like because now i just want to do it and not care about that <laughs> yeah and just to make it so I w- i'm gonna try to do you it you should again. yeah i think inspiring um, cool <laughs> sweet so um I'm, there's a question i always ask but how do you like find a uh, balance with all of the various comedic things you do and feel like you're doing uh good with all of them um, I guess I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great. I guess it's impossible. I mean, I think that it, like anything, goes in waves of sometimes you're like, wow, I'm on top of everything. I'm, you know, 
I'm exercising regularly. I'm hanging out with my friends. I'm working on sketch. Like you feel sometimes like, okay, I've figured it out. And then I feel like it just takes like one life thing that you have to take care of or like going out of town for a few days to make you be like, oh no, what am I doing? But at some point you just recognize that as the norm of kind of, constant panic is kind of the norm of like oh my god that's part of I think trying to pursue something as crazy as like trying to be a professional comedian which like so few people get to do you just have to accept that like you're gonna kind of be burning the candle at both ends a lot of the time yeah but I'm also that's just my personality I am just kind of like a workaholic like I just that's just how I am interesting what's your daily like comedy life or a day in your life what is that like Right now, it's kind of different all the time. Um, I am lucky that right now I don't have a day job. I am able to just do comedy, um, but it it varies. So, like last month, like during March, I you know I did three different like back to back like being out like I went to Chicago, I went to San Francisco, I went to Boston. Before that, I had like you know several colleges stuff like that. And then you have like this month, April. I'm pretty much in town all month so I'm doing things more like I'm going on like general meetings I'm like trying to catch up on scripts I haven't finished or do open mics because I like you know especially when you're out of town a lot and you're like doing a lot of featuring for people you don't want to like mess around and work on new stuff you know so it varies sometimes I'm you know all over the place I'm at LAX every week or sometimes I am just trying to stay sane and go on a hike and chill and like meet a friend at a coffee shop and maybe paint a ceramic at glaze fire you know how often do you um, make time for like friends and relationships and stuff like that i feel like i am pretty good about that i you know obviously sometimes it's hard to like you in your mind go like wow i'm gonna make sure that i you know get dinner with so and so this week and then it just doesn't happen but I think I'm pretty good about like balancing that. Yeah, you know? that's like, cool. That's important. Yeah, I think I think it becomes like one thing that is always important to me is like if you just go about life assuming there will be time, like you just won't have it. Like you'll just end up working all the time. So if I go like, okay, on Friday, my boyfriend and I are going on a date. We've decided that. Yeah. Then you will, and then you keep up with life. Just like book your friends in. Yeah, friends and and relationships. Yeah, totally. You just have to be like, you have to schedule so Mm -hmm. that you don't just let it fall by the wayside. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, Yeah, my girlfriend and I like have to like manage that because she's her love language is quality time. Ooh, that's a good one. And um, (laughs) I think mine is uh, words of affirmation. Yeah. Because it's just like say you love me and stuff. I'm like, yeah, you appreciate me. But she's like, spend time with me. And I'm like, I'm so busy. Well, but that's the thing is it's it's quality time, not quantity time. Exactly. So that's what I'm talking about. It's like you just say on this day, we will spend quality time together. And maybe Mm -hmm. that's the only day we really spend quality time together this week. Maybe every other time it's just like brief or in passing. But as long as you go, okay, I am dedicating this time. Mm -hmm. I I think it's manageable. Yeah. Yesterday we had a nice um, in and out dinner with wine. That sounds incredible. And a candle. Yes. That was unexpected. <laughs> that was fun. That's very fun. Yeah. So that was good. But uh, and then today we're gonna go to the poetry lounge and she's gonna do uh, slam poetry oh, for the first shit. time. For the first time. I think she did no second. She this is their first big, bigger time doing it like That's seriously. Cool. I'm excited. It's gonna be good. Awesome. And then uh, Nathan and I are gonna do stand up too. Tonight, pressure off. Yeah, the the poetry lounge. Oh, where is that? Uh, it's on like Fairfax. Okay. Um, That's and fun. I think in West Hollywood. It's actually really good to do stand up there. It's a mic. Um, like it's like a up. poetry thing, but then you could do stand up, I guess. Um, yeah. huh, Nathan might kill me. I don't know if I'm supposed to even <laughs> tell comedians this, but yeah, it's pretty good stage time. I won't tell anyone. Yeah, don't tell um, anyone. Everyone, listen, forget everyone. what you said. Yeah, you just don't heard. go there. Yeah. Um. What else? Uh, so being a comedian, do you have a good sleep schedule? Yes. <laughs> really? I mean, it varies, you know, but I don't have to be anywhere in the morning a lot of the time. So sleep in. Yeah, which can be good and bad because sometimes I'll go, oh, I don't have to be anywhere. 
and then it's noon and I haven't done anything and I feel bad about myself. <laughs> yeah. uh, but right now I'm I'm doing okay. You're doing when I had thing, when I had yeah. like day job and everything and was doing comedy, it was different. Yeah, and, you know, fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Hopefully, I will not return to that. But it's just different. Yeah. Yeah, it that's varies. cool. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, how did you balance that when you did have a day job? That that's rough. Late nights, waking up early. Yeah, you know, luckily I was a younger woman and I had more energy. Uh, now I. You're feel pretty like young, though, right? I'm 27. Yeah. Um, and I have not. I, I, you know, here and there I've had work, like I worked on corporate and everything and I've had like brief jobs, but for the most part I've, I've been just, you know, stringing together commercials and colleges and stuff. So I don't know. It's weird. Like you look back on something that you did for years and you're like, how did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, people who do it now and you're like, I, I know I did that at some point, but now I feel a little spoiled. Yeah. Who knows? You know, again, knock on wood. Hopefully I can keep keep this up. Not a bad life. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to ask one more thing. I forgot. Let me uh, see. I asked about. Oh, yeah. So when you are in L.A. for long stretches of time, uh, I mean, for career stuff, isn't it hard to like you can't just focus on stand up, right? Yeah. You have you to kind of like do scripts and stuff like what is that like? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's fun. It's like obviously stand up is my 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 first love. It's what I prefer, and uh, that's what you'd like to be working on. But at the same time, it's like it's fun to push yourself to do other things. And also, it's like if you're working on a script in the day, you can also go do an open mic later. Yeah. You know? Sometimes it can be a little hard because you'll like you'll feel like your creative energy is spent on one thing, and then you're like, oh well, I didn't get a chance to like sit down and think about what I want to work on at an open mic tonight or like, you know, I have maybe I have a show and I go, oh, well, I probably won't end up throwing in anything new because I just haven't had time. And that can be frustrating. But at the end of the day, it's like you're still doing something fun. You're writing comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. Well, do you have anything that you want to plug for people to look out for? Um, I would say just listen to, to Mall Talk on the Forever Dog Podcast Network new episodes every wednesday um and buy my album buy it buy it watch follow me on twitter at page weldon at on instagram too i post things keep up cool yeah well thank you for coming over thank you for having me hey guys thanks so much for tuning into working comic podcast there's a new episode every week where i interview writers, directors, comedians, producers, any kind of creative thing you can think of, and also the business side of things. So club owners, agents, managers, festival runners, all that stuff. So tune in every week. And uh, also follow me on social media at the Austin Nasso on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also catch me on YouTube with Chabros, C-H-A-A bros one word uh we have some funny videos up so check it out thanks guys